0: This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Turning your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5. And again, for, for sake of a title, my, I've, I've been um, discussing ministering. Ministry to the married, a relationship in particular. A relationship in particular. And um, I I get this from Ephesians chapter 5, just on the the way that that, that, uh, the the writer phrases this particular verse. Um, Starting at verse 31, it says, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. And so we, we pointed out that marriage is an institution that's created by God, whereby two rational, premoral agents, a man and a woman, who were born again choose to enter a lifelong commitment with an imperfect person. We said that the, t- the focus of this teaching was on the institution of marriage and not just the, the institution in itself, but, but what it really signifies and what it points to and that it points to the relationship between Christ and the church. And we went back and we wanted to make sure that you were grounded in um and the, the principles, because if you, if you understand the principles, then you can understand how this particular teaching fits in with all the other teachings. And we said that the principle that governs your relationships in general, the principle that governs your relationships, your interactions with brothers and sisters, with strangers, with all other human beings, your relationship in general, that's the, that's the principle of unconditional love. And the Lord demands that, that we apply that principle, not just to people that we like, not to people whose ideology is the same as ours, not to people that have been kind to us, but to all people. Unconditional love. And what that means is it does not matter what your actions are. I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to be intentional and direct my love to you. And it's not because I so value the human race. I'm not so stuck on myself. I'm not so, so stuck on, on my, uh, my ethnicity or, or, or my nationality. No, I, I show unconditional love towards you because of my trust in God. Because of my trust in God. I am such a God lover. I am such a believer in God. That even when I can't see it, I know that he's working in you. I am such a believer in God that even when I can't feel it, I know that God has greater things in store for you. And he's working in me to realize his promises in you. So the principle that governs our relationship in general, that's the principle of unconditional love. And under this principle, that's where you'll find acts of kindness. It's characterized by acts of kindness, kindness. And when we say kindness, we're talking about forgiveness. We're talking about fellowship. We're talking about generosity. Now we said that the, the the marriage, it falls under a different principle. That it falls under the principle of sow and reap. Now that doesn't mean that in your marriage relationship that you shouldn't sh- that you should not show unconditional love, because of course you need to be kind in your marriage. You need to be forgiving in your marriage. There must be Fellowship. There must be communication in your marriage. There needs to be generosity in your marriage. But marriage is a relationship in particular. And it's governed by the principle of sow and reap. The principle of sow and reap. And what that means is, is, is that as you... Is that as, as you... As the husband sows into his wife, that she brings him back a seed. That, that as you uh, deposit into, that greater comes out of it. That it's, that it's transformed and greater comes out of it. So the principle of sowing and the reap, we find that, that principle also in effect with respect to the tithe. Where it's not a question of, 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 of desire, it's a question of obedience. It's not a question of, of, of face, of fame, or reputation, but it's a question of obedience. And so the, what, the reason why sow and reap is the principle that governs marriage, and, and marriage um, is characterized by obedience, is that when you're dealing specifically with this relationship in particular, you're not always, always going to be feeling it. You're not, you're not always, yes, you should show generosity. Yes, you should show kindness. But some days you're going to wake up and you're going you're to say, well, maybe I can just kind of skip over. But that, that's when obedience comes into play. That's when obedience comes into play. When it's, it's not a question of how I feel about it. It's not even a question of what I think is right or wrong. The question is, what has the master said? And what the master has said, that I will do. And I I get into that, that it's not, you you can't even put it in the question of, well, what's right and what's wrong? Because you'll you'll begin to justify your actions based on what you think is right. You begin to justify your attitudes in your marriage based on the wrong that you felt that, like, I can't believe that they did that. They've been doing that all these years. And it's not a question of right or wrong. It's not a question of your feelings. The only question is, what were the master's instructions? What were the master's instructions? I have to have trust in God. I have to have trust in God. I have to believe that if I follow the master's instructions, that even though I think that I might be, be taken advantage of, that I, that I might be being slightly used, that, that even though I think that, that I might be placed in a lower position, that God is working it out. That, God, that if I am in my role... That if if I'm in my place, that there is no outpouring. That God will not more than resupply. And so marriage is is governed by the principle of of sow and reap. And there you find acts of obedience. There you find acts of obedience. So when we look at... um, We we tried to to see different examples of of relationships in particular. And for the sake of time, I'm I'm just going to jump to some 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 of the different aspects. In in marriage, in the church, this relationship in particular, it it was ordained by God. And we read about that in in the book of Genesis. And one of the things that, that you see in your marriage is that often in Scripture, God, what he'll do is he'll take a particular natural example. And I call it a clinic. I call it a workshop because God is trying to show you his nature, his spiritual nature, but he wants you to really practically understand it. And so in the clinic, in the workshop, you get to put your hands on it. You get to handle it and to examine it. And in your marriage, God is, God is putting, that, that, that's a clinic for you. That's a workshop for you to be able to handle and to examine the nature of God. The husband, as he shows unconditional love to his wife, the wife, as she shows submission and reverence to her husband. It's a clinic and it's a workshop. You know, you may have thought that you had it going on in different areas of your life. But in your marriage, God is saying, "Well, let's 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 take a look at it. Let's examine that under a mic. Let's let's truly examine who you are." And one example that I like to point to is um, is when Moses was on his way to speak truth to power. And turn to it, the Book of Exodus, chapter four, When Moses he's on his way to speak truth to power. And often we we, we say that we we've heard from God and, and we have our direction that. That 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 God has, has spoken his word and, and and now we're going forth. But God is saying, I spoken, but have you have you truly have you truly heard? Have you truly heard? Have you truly heard the words that were spoken? Exodus chapter four, verse twenty two. And this is the Lord speaking. He says, And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son. Even my firstborn. And I say unto thee, let my son go, that he may serve me. And if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. And it came to pass by the way in the end that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. So first is the Lord. He's speaking. The Lord is speaking to Moses. He's giving him his instructions. He's giving him his charge. He's saying, this is is how I, I relate to the nation of Israel. These are my covenant people. And if you refuse to let them go, to let my son come to me, I'm going to kill your son. But when it says that the Lord met him in the end, this is the Lord. This is also the Lord again. And he's meeting Moses. He's meeting Moses. And it says that he sought to kill him. He says it's hard to kill him. Then Zipporah, Zipporah is Moses' wife. She took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at his feet and said, Surely a bloody husband art thou to me. So he let him go. Then she said, A bloody husband thou art to me because of the circumcision. And so here Moses is, he's on his way to speak truth to power. He's representing to the world. He is representing the Lord to the king of Egypt. But on the way, God says, but wait a second, in your own house, in your own marriage, I want to show the world that you are my covenant people, but in your own marriage, the covenant has not been kept. You haven't even circumcised your own son." And so God is saying, look, I'm not playing about this. I'm not joking about this. This covenant is for real. This is serious. And he sought to kill him. But thank God that Moses had a wife. Thank God that she was able to understand and to hear because she cut the foreskin off of her son. And she let him know, Moses, I didn't do this in secret. But I'm going to let you know that we will follow after the covenant of the Lord. She said, a bloody husband. A bloody husband you are to me. God will show you in your marriage things that He's trying to communicate to you. Things that He's trying to reveal to you about your worship, about your ministry. And you think you have it going on. You think you know. You think you've made application. You think you can instruct the masses. And tell others. But God is saying, examine yourself. And look at it in this marriage relationship. Because there's so much more that I want to do with you. And listen, that's not the end of the story. In all of that, God was able to take that relationship and He was able to use Moses to bring deliverance to His people. But if God was not able to use Moses in that marriage relationship, He would not be able to use Moses to impact the nations. If God cannot speak to you in your marriage relationship, then how is he going to speak to you about taking the city? How is he going to speak to you about speaking to nations, about, about making a difference in this world? God, God said, look, I put this in place. I put this in place. Go to Genesis chapter 1. It says in Genesis chapter, I'm sorry, Genesis chapter two, verse twenty. It says, and Adam gave names to all the cattle and all the fowl of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found an help meet for him. There wasn't found a help that was suitable for him, someone that was suitable for him to accomplish what God's desire was. And go to go to verse twenty-two. And it says, in the rib which the Lord had taken from man, made he a woman. And brought her unto him. And Adam then begins to rap. He says, and this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And she shall be called woman because she was taken from a man. Therefore, shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife. And they shall be one flesh. God says, look, I'm going to bring someone to you. I'm going to bring help for you. Suitable help. I'm not going to bring you someone that's just going to agree with everything that you say. I'm not going to bring with someone that's going to puff up your ego. I'm going to bring you suitable help. Suitable help. Not for you to make a billion dollars. Not for you to launch your company. Not for you to, to conquer the world. I'm going to bring you suitable help to get my work done. I'm going to get you help. I'm going to bring you suitable help. To get my work done. To get my work done. You know, a lot of times we get, we get so caught up with the abundance of things that are done. We get so caught up with the abundance of activity that we forget, well, what is the most important activity? What is the most important part? What's the most important thing? And look, this is the mystery. The most important thing is what God's desire is for that time. The most important thing... Is God's desire for that time. That's the and 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 where I know I know it's hard, I know it's challenging, I know it's testing everything that you have in you. But God says I've given you help, I've given you help, and I've given you suitable help, suitable help. And so, in this teaching, what we're in, in covering the relationship between marriage and the church, we want you to understand that that. It's for too long, for too long, our marriages have not served the purpose of God. And because our marriages have not served the purpose of God, we have not served the purpose of God. You say, but I've put my hands to the ministry. But have, has your marriage, have you put your marriage into the ministry? Is your marriage designed to and positioned to serve the purposes of God? Because if not, then then what you put your hand to, you you need help. You're going going to need help in order to accomplish God's desires, in order to accomplish God's designs. In understanding the marriage and church, one of the things that we look at is that there are areas that we need to make corrections in our service, in our ministry. There are areas, there are blind spots. Where we need to make correction in our worship, in our service. But we can't see those blind spots. And the, way, the only way that you'll see it is that you make an honest assessment of your marriage. I love now, now is the time of year where, where there's cedar all over this area. And, and to look at it, you wouldn't necessarily know that it's there, but you can feel its effects. But one way that you can actually see that it's there is if, if all the lights were off and, and we had a black light. The black light would show all those things that were different than the underlying fabric. The black light shows up all the imperfections. It shows up all the foreign materials. And so as God is trying to speak to you about your ministry, as he's trying to speak to you about your service, he's saying, look at your marriage. Make an honest assessment of your marriage. He's saying, listen, there's some things that, that you need to make corrections about in your marriage. And I'm trying to show you how to make those corrections based on the example that I've given in the church. Things that God is trying to show you about your ministry, about corrections that you need to make, is that He is a God of intention. And we just read in Genesis 22, God is a God of intention, that He is a God of purpose, He is a God of design. Is your marriage a marriage of intention? Or is it a marriage of convenience? Have you become roommates just cohabitating in the same space? Is Is there a direction? Is there a plan in mind? Is there a deliberate positioning in your marriage? Listen, if it's not there in your marriage, guess what? It's not in your ministry either. If there's not intention... Do you speak the things that will happen before they happen? I'm not talking about naming it and declaiming. I'm saying this is what our budget will be for this month. And this is what we will stick to. This is our meal plan for the week. This is where we will send our children. This is how we will conduct our affairs. Do you speak those things that will happen before they happen? Or are you just kind of letting it go? Let's just see what happens. Let's just see what turns up. If you're that way in your marriage, guess what? That's the same way that you are in your ministry. We say that marriage is defended by God. That He restores it to its original purpose. Marriage is defended by Jesus Christ. He restores it to its original purpose. And he is the fulfillment. They asked Jesus about divorce and he says that, you know what, it wasn't so in the beginning. It was not so in the beginning. We need to restore its original purpose. Go to Matthew, Mark, go to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Just started verse 4. And they said, Moses, and they said, Moses suffered to write a bill of divorcement and to put her away. And Jesus answered and said unto them, For the hardness of your heart he wrote you this precept. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. So we see here that Jesus Christ Himself, that He He affirms, He defends marriage, and He restores it to its original purpose. He restores it. He, he is the ultimate fulfillment of marriage. And so, in your in your relationship, are, are you are you affirming your spouse? Husbands, are you affirming your wives? Are you defending your wife? Are you protecting her against? external and internal threats? Are you establishing the original purpose, the original design in your home? Are you repeating it? Because I know sometimes you get so busy, sometimes you get so occupied, that it seems like you've you've drifted away. But are you reaffirming, this is what God has declared that we will do. This is our purpose. This is our intention. Are you defending your marriage, Because guess what? If you're not defending your marriage, you're not defending the faith. If you're not defending your marriage, then you're, you're saying, well, I guess we all can just get along. I guess everyone has a little bit of God inside of them. I guess there's a little bit of truth in all these worldly teachings. You're not defending the faith. Listen, God is trying to show you in your marriage where you've fallen short in your ministry. Listen to what God is saying to you. We say that marriage, that it's it's approved by, it is accepted by the church. That he that that within the church the standard is established, that marriage is acceptable. It is approved by the church, and we talked about that in First Corinthians, where where he 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 gives encouragement to those that desire to marry, but were concerned that others were saying, well well maybe we should not marry because the Lord is coming again soon. He says, listen, it's. It's, it's, it's okay for you to marry. You have not sinned. You have not sinned. But now listen, are, have you put an acceptable standard in your marriage? Or are you, are you just living together? Has there even been a ceremony? Has, did you even go to the justice of the peace? Or are you just cohabitating? Oh, no, you both have your own places. I understand that. But your things are at her house and her things are at your house. God look the church approves of it accepts there's a standard for marriage cohabitating we don't know anything about common law that look that that, that's, that that doesn't fall within the standard that doesn't fall within the standard you're you're paying her bills but there's no commitment there's no covenant you come over and cook for him three nights a week but there's no commitment there's no covenant have you fallen outside of the standard? God is saying, examine, examine your lives. Because as you are in your lives, as you are in your marriage, this is how you are in your ministry. Have you allowed yourself to say, well, you know, it doesn't really matter where she is or where he is at any times of the day. I know we have a grown relationship. We have an adult relationship. I know he's going to come back to me. I know she's going to come back to me. Examine your marriage. Marriage is approved of. It is accepted by God. Have you gotten to the point where you don't expect anything from your spouse? If they can't expect anything from you, they ought to be happy that you're still there. Listen. There, God sets the standard for marriage. God sets the standard for marriage. It is accepted and is approved of by the church. Things that that you're going to see in your marriage that that point to how you need to that how, how you need to make further corrections in your ministry. When you look at the church and how the church is structured, here you'll see how how you need to to further apply discipline, to further apply execution into your marriage. We see that in the church, that worship is perfected. That in the church, worship is perfected. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. In the church, worship is perfected. Ephesians chapter 5. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, And walk in love as Christ also walked in love. And has given Himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God. For a sweet smelling Savior. That Christ has given Himself as a sacrifice to God. In your marriage, has your marriage placed God above all else? In your marriage, have you placed God above all else? Or is He just a handy companion... To come around the dinner table. Is God just the buddy that you bring to the dinner table to bless the food in the hope that no one's going to get food poisoning? Is he just someone that you kind of tag along for long trips when you all gather together and say a quick prayer? Or is God the primary, is he preeminent in your marriage? Listen, your marriage can't be what God wants you to wants it to be until you put him as first in your marriage above your needs, above her needs, that the Lord is first. Worship is always directed from the lesser into the greater. And so in the church, we see that worship that is perfected. In the church, we see that order is established for protection. Has order been established in your marriage? You've learned how how we've had classes and teachings about delegated authority, about the line of authority. Has order been established in your marriage? Because if order has not been established, look, there is great risk. There is great risk. In the church, we see that that positioning or placing is established for effectiveness. That each member is set in position, they're set in place as the Spirit sees fit. Has there been positioning? Has there been placing in your marriage? Or is everyone doing everything? Is everyone doing everything? Does it, it doesn't matter. It depends on what day of the week it is or who's wearing the pants and who's calling the shots. It doesn't matter. You know, anyone can set the direction for the home. It doesn't really matter. Listen, you're not, you're not going to be effective in your marriage. And you're not going to be effective in ministry. Positioning, placing is made for Effectiveness. And we say within this positioning that husbands, that you need to set, set aside a place, a, a place of safety, a place of protection for your wife. We're speaking specifically to husbands that you need to set aside a place of safety, a place of protection from your wife where you can nourish her, where you can cherish her. Where you can bring her to a place of maturity by training. What does training mean? It means that there's things that that are needful, but she doesn't know how to do them. But there are things that can be learned. And learning involves mistakes. There has to be a place where mistakes can be made. There has to be a place where there's confidence to take on new skills and new challenges. And so in, in seeing all of this, I just have a couple of more examples in terms of the biblical application, biblical application of marriage. You know, one of the things in, in, um, I, w- I, w- I was taken by it is that even, even our, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, when he was on this earth, he, was, he, he made sure that, that he, that he let, let you know that marriage was not to be disregarded. He defends marriage. You know, once when when Jesus was ministering, he happened to um, to bring the crowd, the disciples, back to Simon Peter's house. He brought them back to Simon Peter's house, and and Simon's mother-in-law was sick. She happened to have a fever. Now, you would think that. If, if it's Peter's house and his mother-in-law is sick, that, that, that Simon Peter would, would be the one to attend to her. But they called to the Master. They called to the Master, and the Master he came and he laid his hands on her, and she recovered. So what, what 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 do you get from that? You know, there are times in your home when there are things that need to be healed. You're gonna have to call on Jesus. You're gonna have to call on the Master. There are going to be things that you cannot and should not heal yourself or remedy yourself. But when, when, what I love it is that when Jesus laid his hands on Simon Peter's mother-in-law, when she was healed, that immediately she got up and she ministered then to the rest. She ministered to the household. When when you allow healing to come into your house, now you can become effective. Now you can minister and see to the needs of others. Now you can minister and see to the needs of others. We see in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 that Paul, he gives guidance to those that that are already married. He gives guidance to those that, that were that were already married when they accepted Christ and that there may be a a difference in the household. So go to first Corinthians chapter seven. We're going to talk about how this practically applies. You know, it, it, it all sounds well and good, Brother Eberhard, when 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 uh, we have this, this situation where we all we both grew up in the same church, we were baptized in the same church, we believe the same things and we just, you know, we, we pray together all the time and, and glory, hallelujah, every day and night. But what happens when there's a difference in opinion? What happens when there's two people that are actually breathing oxygen? Because that's all you need for there to be a difference in opinion. If you got two people that are breathing oxygen, you're going to have a difference in opinion. And so I know that these scriptures are, are, are targeted to those, to those that have, that have uh, been married to someone that is an unbeliever. But listen, this applies to you and your situation. If there are two people in your marriage that are breathing oxygen, you need to understand how to have peace. You need to understand how to apply God's intention for marriage into your home. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Starting with verse 12, it says, But to the rest speak I, not the Lord. If any brother hath a wife that believeth not, and she be pleased to dwell with him, let him not put her away. And the woman which hath a husband that believeth not, if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were your children unclean. But now are they holy. But now are they holy. What I love this is it says that the, that the unbelieving spouse is washed by the believing spouse. That the unbelieving spouse, that they are washed by the believing spouse. And what I love is that it says that they are, that they are sanctified. In this word, sanctified, when you look at it in this context, it doesn't mean that 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 your spouse, your husband, or your wife, that has not accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior, that they're going to somehow get into heaven, based on your confession. No, that's not what that what that that means at all. Think about it in terms of that they are sanctified, meaning that they have been washed, that they have been washed, that that mercy has been extended to them. That there is an extension of mercy in your home. Now, what does that mean? Just to bring it to to, 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 to a point that you can understand. What washing does is it it says that something that would be stinky, something that would be odious, something that would be foul, something that, that, that could not abide, now it's brought to a place Where it can be accepted. Now it's brought to a place. Where it can be accepted. What does it also mean? What it means is that. The unbelieving. That the believing spouse. What they're doing. They're extending mercy. That the believing spouse. They are leaving room. For the Holy Spirit. To work in the marriage. That you're. You, you rebuke the enemy just enough for the Holy Spirit to be at work in your marriage. And listen, I know that, that um, you know, in our, in our modern churches, we have this image of, of, of all these women and just a couple of men. But this applies to both the man and the woman. This applies, listen, any man that's been married to a woman knows that the Holy Spirit needs to work. That they need the Holy Spirit to work in the marriage. And any woman that's been married to a man knows that they need the Holy Spirit to be at work in the marriage. In the marriage. How do we see this? Christ is, he is our example of commitment. Commitment is needed in order to wash your spouse by the word. Christ is our example. Go to 1 Peter. And we'll let Peter walk us through this. First Peter chapter 2. We're just going to jump here down to verse 21. It says, For even hereunto ye were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow in his steps. And we said before that Christ, he gave his, he gave his life for the church that that he himself suffered, not, not for his own sins, but he suffered for us. This is what commit this is this is the, the, the basis of commitment that, that that you're able to give up what is due to you for someone else. That you're able to do give up what is due to you. See that Christ He's our example that we should follow in his steps. And then because Peter wants to make sure that we clearly understand, he goes into great detail in this example. He says, this is how we apply marriage for the wives. This is how we apply the example that Christ gave to us. And he says, I'm going to show you how how you apply it with the wives. I'm going to show you, husbands, how you apply it. And I like the word word that he uses in in, in 1 Peter chapter 3, starting with verse 1. He says, likewise... Likewise means that the same way that Christ suffered for us, the same way that he is an example, likewise, that means in the same way, meaning that you are imitating Christ when you do this, when you apply this in your marriage. Wives, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be one. By the conversation of the wives. So listen to that. It says likewise. And likewise is connected to chapter 2 verse 21. He says Christ also suffered for us. What does that mean? It means that you could have your way. It means that you could choose not to be in subjection. But you give that up. You give that up for the sake of the other. Likewise ye wives... Be in subjection to your own husbands. And because he wants you to be crystal clear that he's not talking about your own perfect husbands. He's not talking about your own priestly husbands, the ones that rise up early and pray over the children and call out to the Lord at them at night, the one that, that, that sets aside, you know, that, that does all the things that, that, that you're supposed to do as a righteous man. That he's not, he says, and listen, I'm talking about your husband. I'm not talking about your ideal imagination of a husband. I'm talking about your actual husband. The one that's in your house. That if any obey, your hard headed husband. That if any obey not the word. The one that likes to always complain about his job and, and, and is inconsistent in his service to the Lord. Your husband, your own husband. Like God, I can't believe you're asking me to submit to that man. I mean, you don't know everything. If God knew what was going on, he says, as Christ also suffered for us. As Christ also suffered for us. He gave up his position for the sake of the other. That if any obey not the word, they may also without the word be won by the conversation of your wives. So while, while, you're, while, while you understand the shortcomings of your husband, he's saying, listen, your focus is on your conversation. While you understand the situation in your home, your focus, the place where you can be effective, your, your, your lever, your focal point, the place where you can apply the most effort and energy is in your own conversation. Because that's how you're going to win them. And then in verse 7, he says, likewise, and I love it, likewise, the same way that Christ suffered for us. In that same way, husbands, this is how you apply marriage. Husbands, dwell with your wives according to knowledge. Stop making stuff up. Dwell with them according to knowledge. Seek wisdom, and the Lord will give it to you liberally. And he's not going to even put you on blast for it, without reproach. James chapter 1. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife, as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Husbands, give honor to your wives. As into the weaker vessel. Says, listen, stop, stop putting all that weight on your wife. Stop putting all that burden on your wife. Say, well, she, I, I'm, I'm holding up my part. She needs to hold up her part. Stop putting all that pressure on your wife. You know, too often we, we, we get so hung up, we think that our wife is one of the boys. That she's one of the fellas. That you know you know, with the fellas, when you move in with the fellas, everybody has to do their own part. Everybody's got to pull their own weight. And if they're not, you put them on blast. You say, well listen, come on man, just one pillow? That's all you can carry? Come on. Listen, he says, no, nah, this is a relationship in particular. This is why your ministry is not effective. Listen, I know that she has a PhD. I know she has a master's. I know she's got her bachelor's. And guess what? You just got life experience, but she is the weaker vessel. It doesn't matter what the world chooses to pay her. She's the weaker vessel. It doesn't matter what kind of title the world gives to her. Don't be listening to those ungodly people in the world. What do they know? She's the weaker vessel. Treat her like that. Set aside a safe place for her. You know what? Let the world be impressed with all the things that she does and can do and the things that she says. You treat her as the weaker vessel. As a precious vessel. Because guess what? When she's tired of them, she's coming to you. When they piled on and piled on and piled on. And finally, God speaks to her and she says, you know what? This ain't even worth nothing. She's coming home to you. And that safe place needs to be there. That safe place needs to be there. I know I'm running out of time. Listen, this last year, they talk about unemployment. They talk about the statistics of of who was impacted. And they they, they say that the, the main group that had to leave the workforce in order to make sure that the home was taken care of, were women. That women were leaving executive positions, high-paying jobs, jobs of great responsibility, not because they couldn't do it, but because they realized that in doing that, my home will suffer. And they said, well, what's, what's greater? What's worth more, making you a trillionaire or making sure that my children are fed? Listen, husbands, you need to treat your wife as the weaker vessel. As the weak, That means that she needs to know, she needs to be absolutely certain that it's not on her shoulders for the house to stand. That the house rests on a firm foundation on your shoulders as your feet are planted on the rock of Jesus Christ. And listen, when you do this, then you'll be, then you'll find that you are heirs, that you both, that you both realize the promises. And that your prayers are not hindered. Listen, what, what can't God do in your marriage? What can't God do through you? Is there anything too hard for God? Is there anything too hard for God? God wants to work wonders in this ministry. And He's going to do it through your marriage. But you need to line it up. You need to line up your marriage according to the Word of God. Listen, you need to stop running away from the church, thinking that the church is coming between your marriage. We are here to help your marriage. The church is here to help your marriage. And your marriage is here to build up the church. When you realize that, then you have good working with good. And you'll no longer be frustrated. You'll no longer be as one that is putting your efforts towards nothing. That's filling a bag that has holes in it. Amen. I hope that you all enjoyed these teachings. Listen, Christ, he's coming back as the bridegroom for the church. The church will be as a bride that has been washed and and, and, and made righteous and made clean by the word. And he he will take us up to be with him. And we will be with him throughout all eternity. But the Lord wants you to know, he says, yes, I understand that you have the revelation that I'm coming back and I'm coming for my church, that my church is my bride. But how are you going to apply that practically? Remember when Moses had the word from God and the the question was, well, Moses, there's a practical application for this word in your life right now. Establish the covenant in your home. You'll see it in your marriage. God is speaking into your lives. He's speaking what He wants you to do this year. He's speaking what He wants you to do this decade. He's speaking to what He wants you to do with your daughters and your sons. God is is trying to give you insight into your grandchildren, into your great grandchildren, into what you need to prepare for them. It's in the Word. It's in the teachings. But the clinic, the workshop, where you're going to see it, where it's going to become real for you, is in your home. It's in your marriage. Amen? This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website livingwateraustin.net